Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Together we made it, Browns fans. What will it be like when we get to say that? And even though our backs were against the wall, even though life as a Cleveland Browns fan has been touched or tough, what will it be like when we can say we made it? Welcome into this Locked on Browns podcast. My name is Jared Mueller. I am your host. You can always get a hold of me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. That's at J-A-R-E-D-K. M-U-E-L-L-E-R. And the topic of today is all about the NFL draft. With the Browns on a bye week, we'll obviously have a lot of time to talk about the return of RG3 most likely, what the Browns can do over the last four weeks of their season. Do we even want to win games? Uh, What kind of teams we're actually looking uh, we want to win, who we want to lose, so that we keep our draft picks and keep as high of draft picks as possible. We have a lot of time to talk about that, but really the story of today on Twitter, on social media, is all about how do the Browns make it? There are a couple of things that most of us would assume and believe as true for the upcoming NFL draft. And so let's go over those. First and foremost, the Browns have to hit. The Browns have to get it right. I think that's a clear number one, that the Cleveland Browns have to figure it out. They have to get it right one way or another. That's not complicated. They're going into their second draft as a regime uh, with time to prepare more than they had last year. So this regime regime should have been preparing for the draft basically since the start of the season, especially since uh, the end of the trade deadline. So they've had more time to prepare. They have more time to kind of understand each other, both the front office, coaching staff, those kind of things, have those kind of conversations. And they've got a lot of picks. Last year, they they traded down to add these picks. They didn't punt on the draft. Uh, They drafted some uh, highly talented players that still uh, needed to develop on the next level. So though they were very, very productive in college, they weren't ready-made NFL prospects for a variety of reasons. Uh, Corey Coleman, it was the system he was coming out of. Emmanuel Agba, uh, he needed some time to develop um, more moves than just being fast and strong. Carl Nassib uh, needs some work on some strength. Uh, Sean Coleman uh, was overcoming some injury and then a system that just wasn't one that prepares you right away. Cody Kessler, they did not want to start or see the field all season, but thought that they uh, might be able to develop something. Uh, in him, kind of long-term. Uh, Spencer Drango, kind of on and on and on. Um, they they put it, they brought in a lot of players that had the talent, but just weren't ready to play right away. 
Uh, and so they, they didn't punt on the draft, but they definitely kind of put kick the can down the, the street a little bit, uh, not drafting players who are really ready to play right away, but really drafting some high ceiling guys. And we've seen some flashes. We've seen flashes from Agba and Coleman and Nassib and uh, even Spencer Drango has played pretty well as a left guard, which is shocking to me. Uh, Derek Kindred has played, uh, so shown some flashes um, in his position. Tyrone Holmes, someone who uh, they picked up um, as an undrafted free agent cut by Jacksonville and we picked up on the waiver wire. Um, Body Calhoun, again, someone that we picked up off of the waiver wire. We've seen a lot of um, flashes from these players. The question becomes is whether or not this this draft, with all the picks, four probably in the top 45, somewhere in that area, uh, so one every 10 picks uh, in the top 40, uh, again, with 32 teams, that's pretty impressive. Um, do they go for players who are ready to produce a little bit sooner? Maybe not as high-end uh, players with the highest ceiling, but maybe able to produce right away, coming from better systems, those kind of things. So that's number one. Uh, the Browns have to hit. We all can agree on that. Number two is the Browns could and should control this draft with the amount of picks that they have. With the number one overall pick, most likely, uh, they will control every round. Uh, the number one overall pick in the first round and the second round are just huge. Uh, those are places where you really can be in total control. And so you can force someone to move up from even the number two or number three pick to get the guy, the guy that they want. And so, uh, number one, the Browns have to hit in this draft. Number two, uh, they're in control of the draft. And then three and four um, are really kind of the topic of conversation, uh, the topic of, uh, of Twitter right now, and I think are going to be the topic of conversation um, as we kind of move forward. And so, um, and then we'll get to number five. So number three, pretty simply, Miles Garrett. If he's not the best player in this draft, he is one of the top two or three players in this draft, and he is going to be a dynamic He's going to be a, an amazingly dynamic defensive player at six foot five, six foot six, 260 pounds, somewhere in that area. Um, he's able to add some weight, uh, but right now can rush the passer. Uh, doesn't really have to drop in coverage uh, per se at this point in time, but uh, is only 20 years old. Uh, will turn 21 here in about a month or so. Uh, so has a lot of development still left to do, but can wreak havoc, havoc all over the field. Uh, has a high motor, uh, speed, moves, power, hands, you name it. So number three about this upcoming NFL draft, Miles Garrett is going to be a stud. Number four is that there is no Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, Cam Newton, whatever you want to describe as the guy quarterback. There's not a guy that right now when you look and say that guy, that guy right there should be the number one overall pick. Deshaun Watson is someone who I personally like, but based on the season that he's having, the system that he comes out of, uh, and some of the mistakes that he's made, uh, he's kind of played himself out of contention, seemingly, for the number one overall pick. The question with him uh, is whether the regression this year is more a regression to the mean, his norm, or does it have something to do with um, any injuries, the system that he plays in, trying to force the ball, trying to do too much, the pressure of the Heisman Trophy talk, uh, the pressure of not wanting to get hurt. 
which we've heard from players can really play a huge role, especially on a quarterback where mental processing is huge. So what is the reason Deshaun Watson went from kind of the presumed number one overall pick, or at least a presumed top five quarterback kind of pick, to the point that now there are some people saying second round? You've got Mitch Trubisky, uh, the North Carolina um, Tar Heel, but the Ohio product, uh, the Northern Ohio product, um, is he, uh, in his one year, is he showing enough? It's one year, really, with North Carolina. Um, does he show enough that, um, kind of like Watson, he's having a great season, but if he, come, if he came back for another year, would he, again, regress to the mean? Big and strong and all of those kind of things. Does he have enough accuracy? Does he have enough touch on the ball? Uh, you know, all of those questions are kind of going to kind of come up for a player who's only played in one season. And I'll tell you, that's something that worries me. Not because I think that says a lot about him as a player, but because he doesn't have a chance to develop. He doesn't have a chance to learn. Defenses really don't have a chance to adjust to him. If he would come back for another season, all of that kind of gets put to rest. And I think it allows him to develop at more of a natural curve. Whereas being thrown into the NFL, he can still adjust and develop, but it's not as natural. It's a little bit or a lot bigger of a jump. Uh, the experience level uh, going from one year at North Carolina to the NFL, the speed and all that, I just think it uh, it's such a big jump that it could really hinder his development where another year in college uh, might be better for him. That is especially true for Deshaun Kaiser, uh, the Notre Dame product who I don't believe is ready. Uh, redshirt sophomores do not do well. Uh, historically, I can't remember one that has. Mark Sanchez, Johnny Manziel, a number of other quarterbacks, because there's just so much that needs to be learned, whether that's as a practice squad. Uh, well, I don't really have practice squad, but if that's a guy on the bench still getting those reps in practice, um, seeing all the film, being in the film room, just time. If you think about your career, your job, time played a huge role in your development um, as much as anything else. And so uh, Deshaun Kaiser is another quarterback where the question really is um, whether he's played enough. Uh, then you have played people like Pat Mahomes, system quarterback, maybe great athlete looking at his family lineage. Um, then you have like Mason Rudolph, who some people have compared to not in a ton of ways, but as compared to Brett Favre as this gunslinger. Uh, doesn't throw off uh, normal platforms and those kind of things. And so, uh, number one, the Browns need to hit in this draft. Number two, the Browns control this draft. Number three, Miles Garrett is a stud, most likely the number one overall player for most people, most teams in the draft. Uh, and number, uh, yeah, we're at four now. Uh, number four, there is no quarterback that has to be taken number one overall. So what does that mean for the Browns? That's where we'll get to number five. Yo, everybody get up. Everybody get up. Everybody needs to understand that I'm more than simply a hype man for this rap group. Just like Geico is more than just a company that can save you money. Geico also has fast and friendly claim service so they can help you when you need it most. And while I do love being a hype man, I also love reading for children's audiobooks. Like little Bo Peep, she lost the sheep and she don't know where to find them. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. So number five about the NFL draft is that the Browns and their fans, especially their fans right now, 
uh, are in kind of a tough position, right? You have a player like Miles Ma- Garrett, and there are some other very, very talent- talented players, Jonathan Allen, um, others that are really, really talented, who um, at number one, you could draft a Jadavian Clowney type stud. And those who haven't been paying attention, Clowney has come on. It takes a little while sometimes for players. Uh, you could draft a J.J. Watt type player that could change the defense, especially when you think about Jamie Collins and Danny Shelton and Emmanuel Ogba, Carl Nassib, Christian Kirksey. All of a sudden, that front seven is scary. But that quarterback question still looms for the Browns. On a piece that I did for our premium uh, readers on the Orange and Brown Report, again, I'm a part of the Scout Media Network. Uh, you can see all of my work for the Browns on theobr.com. And again, that's the Orange and Brown Report. Um, I did a piece with um, my guy from, uh, he writes for us as well as for Bleacher Report, uh, Brent Soboleski. Uh, Sobo and I just kind of do this two for Tuesday thing. And in that two for Tuesday, here's kind of what I said. Miles Garrett is the draft's best player. Perfect. The Browns should draft whatever quarterback they have at the top of their list for these reasons. They have not had the number one overall pick since the year after the return, back when they took Courtney Brown. They rarely have ever have had their choice of quarterbacks in the draft. They're usually picking from the third, fourth, or fifth uh, quarterback selected. Last year, they traded down from number two because their quarterback, Jared Goff, they knew was going number one, and they weren't going to pick the number two guy for them. Third reason the Browns should pick a quarterback, there are a few teams, the Niners, the Jets, the Bears, the Jaguars, and even possibly the Cardinals interested in a quarterback. And those guys are going to be slotted between the Browns' first pick and wherever the Eagles pick. So that means a bunch of quarterbacks could be gone. Fourth, there's a lot of good depth on the defensive side of the ball. So Miles Garrett is really good. But Jonathan Allen, Derek Barnett, Carl Lawson are some really good edge players. Malik McDowell and a few others are are really good on the defensive line. And so there's a lot of good depth. And so instead of risking missing out on a quarterback that you like, or even any of the top flight quarterbacks, you you risk maybe missing out on uh, one of the top flight defenders that you want, and definitely on Miles Garrett uh, by taking that quarterback high. Um, it's a risky thing to wait on a quarterback. Uh, always will be risky. They already have Robert Griffin III and Cody Kessler, so they don't have to push that quarterback to play right away. And finally, drafting a quarterback uh, brings hope for the future. It brings something to kind of be built around. And so the conversation all day today on Twitter, I'm watching it happen amongst a variety of other people, is Miles Garrett's the best player. The Browns should take dynamic, highly talented players. It's not a hard concept, right? But if Miles Garrett's number one and Mitch Trubisky is 10th on your list, but he's your number one overall quarterback, and maybe there's a gap in the Browns' mind between Trubisky and Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Kaiser, Mason Rudolph, fill in those blanks. Do you do you just, quote-unquote, overdraft Trubisky just because he's the number 10 guy on your board, but he's a quarterback? How valuable are quarterbacks? Can you risk missing out on a quarterback 
because Miles Garrett is going to be a stud edge rusher. Does it matter if you get Miles Garrett but never get a quarterback? Does it matter? Will it be worth it for the Browns? On the other side, why pass on talent? You know Miles Garrett's good. I know Miles Garrett's good. It's not that complicated. So passing on top flight talent for lesser talent for need is what bad teams do. Bad teams also don't have quarterbacks. And so number five when it comes to this NFL draft is there is a discussion that will continue to be had both on Twitter, uh, in the bar, game day, you name it. But it's also happening in the Browns front offices, maybe even uh, San Francisco, some of the other places. Do you risk it? Do you go Miles Garrett and then hope Trubisky, Watson, Kaiser, whoever really is your guy, hope that they fall because, quote unquote, they're not Andrew Luck, because they're not surefire number one guys? Do you hope that, like the Geno Smith here, uh, even the EJ Manuel kind of time frame, do you hope that they just kind of fall down the board because maybe they're not all ready? Maybe none of them are really ready? Do you just kind of risk it at the most important position? Listen, there's a level of gamble there. There's a level of gamble for the Browns to go with Miles Garrett if they have a quarterback high on their list. If they've graded a quarterback strongly. It's a risk. It's a gamble. It's no different than being at the casino and hoping your hand comes out right. But here's the thing about gambling. The right move is always the right move, even if it doesn't work out. I want to make sure I say that again. The right move is the right move always, even if it doesn't work out. Now, I'm not telling you there's a right move here, Miles Garrett or the quarterback. But when the Browns decide on things, when the Browns figure their stuff out, when they go through their whole process of grading, prioritizing talent and prioritizing position uh, and trying to figure out what's the best value, whatever decision they come to, they have to make that decision. They can't, I'm going to emphasize this, they can't make a different decision than what their valuations say. That's wrong to do. Even if it fails, it's still the right move. If I've got the low stack in, in Texas Hold'em, that means I have the least amount of money left at the table. If I have the low stack and I'm dealt pocket rockets, aces, two aces, it is the right move to go all in. Even if somebody else ends up with a flush and beats my two pair or beats my three of a kind. It is still the right move. The right move is always the right move, despite of any consequences. So the discussion, number five on the draft, the discussion between Miles Garrett and the best player in the draft, uh, who I think is going to be Garrett, but other people think is Allen, uh, and drafting the best quarterback, is going to rage on all the way up until the NFL draft, unless something happens, you know, a trade out, trading for Jimmy Garoppolo or signing somebody or whatever, that conversation will continue. So number one, the Browns have to nail this draft. That doesn't mean their players have to uh, produce dynamic numbers right away, but they need to flash. 
Number two, the Browns control this draft. They will no matter where their draft picks are because of how many picks they have high. Number three, Miles Garrett is the best player in the draft, in my opinion, and most people's opinion. Number four, there is no the guy quarterback, even if there are some very, very talented quarterback. And number five, the conversation, the discussion of Miles Garrett versus quarterback will rage on and on and on and on. And people will try to convince you their side is right, their side is wrong. It doesn't work. It won't work. It's like trying to convince a Democrat to be a Republican and a Republican to be a Democrat. People are, are on their sides. They've kind of already, many people have kind of dug their heels in. And nothing you say will change that. The question becomes is, does Hugh Jackson or Sashi Brown or any of the rest of the Browns front office, do they dig their heels in? Does Hugh Jackson dig his heels in about RG3 and Cody Kessler? Does the front office dig their heels in about getting a young quarterback? Or do they come together? We may never know, but we do know those five very clear things about the NFL draft. What are some things you think you know the way I think I know these five things about the NFL draft? I'd love to hear from you. Uh, again, get a hold of me on Twitter. It's at Jared K. Mueller. That's J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for stopping by. Our prayers again are with Gatlinburg and then obviously all the tornadoes in the south. Uh, just devastation upon devastation. Some of it brought on by Mother Nature. Some of it brought on by the act of people who don't see how they harm people or don't understand the ends of their consequences. Uh, and so we, our prayers, our thoughts go with them. Uh, thanks for stopping by. Hope everyone is safe out there. Have a great day. Have a great night. Have a great morning. And go Browns.